Welcome to the Black Knight Nation podcast. I'm your host, Alan Terdonato. The Black Knight Nation podcast is sponsored by Higher Echelon. Higher Echelon is a world-class consulting firm that trains employees in sports psychology secrets that drastically improve work performance. Higher Echelon was founded by Dr. Joe Ross, who is retired Army. He was an Army fullback, and he was also an Army assistant coach. And uh, we have a very special podcast tonight. It's a tribute to General Ray Odierno, who passed away last week. And we have um, Ray, Ray Odierno was a former Army football player. He was the chief of staff of the Army um, and just uh, uh, had a lot of passion for the U.S. Army, had a lot of passion for West Point and a lot of passion for Army football. So we have uh, people here that were who were close to uh, General Odierno. And we'll, we'll go through the um, – the panel we have here right now, and then we'll we'll get into their uh, memories of uh, General Odierno. First, we'll start with Steve Carpenter. How's it going, Steve? Uh, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Sal. I always enjoy this. Your show's great, and I really appreciate your support of West Point Athletics, and in this case, supporting uh, a good tribute to uh, General Odierno. Um, so, General Odierno, I'm, I'm wearing the red team shirt. Um, he was the uh, first cavalry division artillery commander. Um, I didn't know him then, but I'm in the 1st Cavalry Division now, so I thought, thought I'd wear the shirt. Uh, he was my division commander when I deployed for the first time as a battery commander out of 25th Infantry. When he commanded the 4th Infantry Division, our unit fell under him. Didn't really know him then there. I, I also you know, just knew him as just a, a very stoic uh, officer with presence. Uh, but I had the benefit of working for him during his last year and a half in the Army when he's the Chief of Staff of the, of the Army as a Special Assistant. And... Uh, Really, really got to know him well and and, and understand that that, uh, that stoic, extremely large man that, that uh, had an incredible presence was also a great fa family uh, person uh, and a phenomenal role model for really everybody he's ever encountered. Greg, uh, tell us about how, how you, uh, your, your, your connection to General Odierno. Sure, be glad to. Uh, Ray and I became friends when we were 12 years old. And there are, there are sort of three kinds of friends, uh, acquaintances, friends, and dear friends. And Ray was the dearest of all friends. We were teammates starting at 13 years old. Um, baseball, football, and basketball initially. Uh, he was a pitcher and I was a catcher. So that relationship is kind of interesting. We were both recruited to play football at West Point together out of the same high school. Um, we made our decision to go to West Point together. We also made a little pact that we just weren't going to go try it on. Uh, if we went, they were going to have to kick us out. And as it turned out, um, that was not just true for West Point. That was true for the Army, for our time in the Army. As luck would have it, we married sisters. So our kids are cousins. Um, and it's hard to describe the relationship that we had other than that of the dearest of friends. We didn't talk much army we taught talked army athletics a lot but we talked family and army athletics those sorts of topics we sort of left the 
our professional world, if you will, behind and focused for a lifetime on um, the personal world. So I knew him intimately. I know his family intimately. And I would venture to say uh, that's how he knew me and my family. So that's my connection to right. Pat, can you uh, uh, tell us a little bit about your connection to General Odiana? Sure. Um, thanks for hosting, Colin. Good to see everybody. So, you know, uh, your Army career, there's so much over it that it's kind of fucking timing and by fate. And uh, kind of as luck would have it, he and I were actually at Fort Sill together in 1990, but I got there a little bit early because I left my assignment and both left Germany. Uh, after being stationed there at the same time, and I got to Fort Sill, April of ninety, and soon had orders to Fort Ord, California. And then the Gulf War kind of happened, and a lot of folks in my class, one of those units already deployed, ended up you know packing their stuff and going to the desert. JT followed me, and a whole class of uh, officers in that event force uh, all had orders to go to the replacement units in the in the Gulf when they graduated around December. I remember correctly and off everybody went well i went off to fort ord and kind of watched what happened during uh the gulf war there because we did deploy we had individual soldiers go but we were kind of a servant so then a couple of years later i finally took battery command after doing all those things you do as a captain <clears throat> i was an adjutant you know, italian fire support officer and i took command one week and lo and behold a guy named uh ray Odie showed up at fort ord lieutenant colonel and took command of 2-8 Field Artillery Automatic Battalion that happened to be the direct support battalion of 1st Brigade, the 9th Infantry Regiment at Fort Ord. And so that began, you know, the next pretty much 16 to 18 months of day-to-day contact um, while the division was inactivated, or not, parts of it were inactivated. Our brigade happened to be the lucky one again that moved to Fort Lewis. The other two brigades activated. Seventh Division moved to Fort Lewis, uh, you know, eight or nine months into our command tour, and then we finished up there. But you know, just being in the presence of then, you know, Colonel Odierno, as we called him, was an amazing opportunity and uh, studying leadership, and more important, being just a good person. And so the the camaraderie he fostered and the unit training that he saw, uh, uh, and and what we were able to do as a a battalion. It was very much a team, and I'll get into that a little bit. You can see where his football and sports background came into play. But uh, just been a privilege to serve with him and get to know Linda and the family and everything that he located and brought to the unit and carried on throughout the organization was just really, really uh, touching and uh, moving and memorable. A lot of people there succeeded in the army thereafter, and a lot of what they learned. Uh, in their careers forward. JT, uh, uh, tell us your connection to Ray. Sal, thanks for, for doing it. really means a lot. Uh, paying a tribute to a giant, probably some of the ultimate type, a warrior, gentleman, and someone that personified duty on our country better than anybody I know. Uh, you know my, my heart's my heart and my prayers go out to, to Linda and, and Katie and Tony and Mike and everybody that's watching and everybody 
back on the show. I was so close um, to this incredible leader. Um, I actually met General Owen when Pat Antonetti sent me to the capital of Montana airport to pick him up. I never met General Owen. I said, Pat, how do I know who that is on the plane? He goes, well, it's a small plane. He's going to be the biggest guy on the plane. And uh, you'll like him a lot. He was the biggest guy on the plane. Uh, and I did like him a lot right from the get-go. I mean, I was terrified of the man. Uh, he was a colonel. I was a captain. But, uh, it all buffed out. But ended up working for Jim Lowe uh, five, five times in my career. Um, three of them combat deployments in Iraq. Um, when I first got to know he was uh, really well as the 4th Infantry Division Commander. And I got made the uh, deputy staff, but General O did like sports. He does like HUA. And I made a HUA video for the Devardian. He was at the same Farmer's Ball as the guest speaker. And he goes, you're coming up to the division. You're going to be in charge of the division HUA video. Um, this is the kind of guy he was. It was a good HUA video, and he liked it. So I left out from there. Start. Um Maybe we could start with Greg, and he could tell us a little bit about um, uh, General Dierno is time as a West Point um, that and a West Point athlete. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure a lot of people know that, uh, about his athletic. At least I did, not I had to I had to research it about what he did as an athlete and as a cadet at West Point. Well, as I said, we were both recruited out of high school to play football, and unfortunately, he hurt his knee during plebe year. Um, and moved to baseball and played baseball for three years and uh, was a pretty darn good pitcher for the Army baseball team. Um, he played for Tipton, who was a, uh, a legend. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm the ancient guy in this group of folks tonight. Um, but he did an outstanding job as a pitcher. I mean, in um, because I played football, I didn't get to go watch him, right? Um, except during, I think it was his first year, the, the Yankees or the Mets used to come up for their final preseason game before uh, their season opener and, and play West Point. Um, and Ray pitched, and I think it was, and I got to see that because spring football was over. Uh, I mean, my football time was, was done, so I didn't have spring football. And uh, he had, if I remember right, three innings of shutout baseball, which was a big damn deal, right? Um, uh, but but his, his major mark was through baseball, and he did a really fine job as an Army baseball player. Absolutely. And, and then you see um, uh, General Odierno's passion as, um, you know, after he graduates from West Point, right? And then the passion that he has, A, for the Army and back at the Academy. And I, same with you, JP. I just know him as a giant of a man, right? And I just remember him. There was a press conference at West Point. The NFL and the Army were getting together to um, create more awareness for head injuries. And he was sitting at a dais with um, Roger Goodell and – 
I mean, he and he, when he, when uh, General Odierno spoke, everybody was listening. And when General Odierno was talking about like head, you know, the importance of the further study of head injuries, everybody was listening. And that was my first introduction to him. And I was just like, and then you, and then you see a little bit more. Um, and then I got to know uh, him. Uh, from other people, but him being around the football team and his love for sports. I don't know if you guys can have any uh, recollections or have some good thoughts about that and how passionate he was about the academy and how passionate he was about uh, Army football and sports around West Point. Yeah, sports, uh, you know, Monday mornings at this time of year is always special. You know, his three loves were the New York Yankees, the New York Giants, football. and when you're working for a guy like that, if you come in Monday morning and all three teams won, you hit the trifecta. It was a good Monday. Um, one of them lost, and two won. It was okay. He's uh, certainly very competitive. He drew a lot of sports analogies. He knew everything about sports, but you know, he even told me because when I was a captain, I went to the Peach Bowl in the pouring rain in Atlanta Fulton County Stadium. And he knew every player, he remembered every play. And this was almost 20 years, 15 years after the fact. And he was still talking about the people standing out there in the rain and knew about Rob Healy's exploits, about Peel Chronister. He actually hired Peel Chronister, who was the MVP of the Peach Bowl, to work for him in desperate form. Uh, that's just the guy he was. He'd remember everybody, and uh, he loved talking sports. He did a lot of heavy lifting for our country um, in some tough circumstances. The surge in Iraq, um, during OIF-1, the invasion uh, of Iraq. We could always take a break by talking about sports. And he could talk about it with young private. He could talk about it with former West Point football players. And he could talk about it with NFL head coaches, and uh, they really valued his advice. I got stories here. I just talked to John Harbaugh the other day. You know, I later, but, uh, uh, sports were a big part of his life, um, not just as a participant, but as a fan and as a student of multiple games. Yeah, Sal, this is Greg. If I could jump in here, I, I'd like to if I could. Absolutely. Um. He, he understood more than most, all of us do who are participating in this, the contribution that athletics makes to developing leaders of character. So, yeah, he was a sports fan for sure and loved the Giants and loved the Yankees. And we often argued because I was a Mets fan and a Jets fan. And I think I just became fans of those two teams so we could argue when we were kids but but he he understood the learning that took place through the athletic experience that helped prepare cadets people in general but in in our world cadets to be better officers so that the passion wasn't just as a fan the passion was rooted in the the learning that and the lessons that people take from their athletic experience 
into their life and apply them throughout their life as leaders. Hey, Greg, that's a great point that uh, I was going to a little bit, again, based on my experience working for Carlo uh, out as a captain in a very tactical part of the army, but I think he applied passion and understanding into how we commit an organization. If you just kind of uh, look at it, you know, what you hear a lot between football in particular, sports in general, being in the Army and ultimately, um, you know, just start at the individual level. Football, you have conditioning, discipline, and same thing in the Army. He was always talking about being tough and being, you know, the most disciplined unit out there. Then you practice, right? Uh, teams practice well and practice. We have kind of an individual and collective practice thing when it comes to training. Then, um, came to a uh, game to get what he plays, what your team plan was, and that was sort of the next level of be it combined or joint, or if you went to a training center, whatever it was. Um, he was really masterful at integration and coordination and all those things that you, you learn uh, as an artilleryman, scheme of maneuver and supporting your infantry brethren. And then when it came to roles, he was a very adept at judging people and knowing people, kind of like which players to play, when and where, um, who to put. You, you, you can't control too much as a lieutenant colonel the people you get who you're assigned, but then as you mix and match them within your formation, he was really masterful at that. And he also appreciated uh, what roles people played. You know, the battery commanders weren't always the, the prima donnas. He very much appreciated and put strong people in all those other less heralded positions within the unit to make sure that your logistics and um, uh, ammunition folks and mechanics and cooks, they were all just as important on the team as everybody else. And then I would also say he was a great communicator. And what I mean mostly by that is he listened there were a couple times when we were doing things out at Fort Orr that uh, uh, one, one story is we had a, a brigade live fires at a place called Fort Hunter Liggett in California where we never shot artillery. And we were kind of like, hey, sir, it'd be great if we could uh, uh, be there to support our infantry brethren, but we've never shot artillery there. And he goes, that's a great idea. And he kind of turned to his staff and said, figure out how to do that. And lo and behold, we did it the first time ever we live fired at uh this place called 400 Liggett where we built the impact areas and did it all safely. And it was a, a big success. And then the last thing I would say is team building. He was a great team builder and building esprit de corps and camaraderie, just like a good coach would. And, uh, you know, gracious in victory, but we did a whole bunch of fun things in that unit from payday golf, where we always had a great golf team that uh, represented the unit on, on payday at Fort Ord. Uh, which was uh, a great place to to golf with the weather and everything. Um, you know, we had a great PT. We we always commemorated on Army Navy. You know, when you are on the West Coast, the game then was about at noon or one o'clock start. So that's really early out on the uh, at, in Monterey or Fort Lewis. And then that was always the first week of December in our day, and that was the same day as uh, St. Barbara's Day ball typically. So we always just have a big event uh, around that. It was a ton of fun. And then on uh, Super Bowl Sunday, he you know, started this tradition where the lieutenants and the colonel played the captains and the majors. And he had a, a funny rule where only the field grade officers could play quarterbacks. So that kind of hurt the captain team a little bit because our majors weren't quite as good as he was. But um, just a great 
organization to be in. And you could see how that sports ethos, like you were saying, Greg, you took a lot from, but it was really about preparing that unit if it ever had to go and fight somewhere. And we were, you know, uh, fortunately, we didn't have to be called upon to do that. But seeing how we succeeded later on, uh, you know, he applied a lot of those same principles at a much higher and greater responsibility level. Steve, what do you think you learned from uh, General Odino when you worked under him? Well, just to jump on the the uh, the, the team piece, I, I thought General Odino even toward you know I was with him his last eighteen months. He firmly understood that you know the the army is, is the ultimate team sport. Uh, I think we would all agree with that. And and on top of that, it's also the ultimate performance business. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, folks that are involved in athletics, uh, you think about 11 guys in huddle, you think about a baseball team and the strategy they have going into competition, hockey team, soccer, uh, it doesn't matter. Understanding what your role is within that team, uh, what, understanding what the group strategy is, and then applying your leadership traits to it. Uh, you know, I just think coming in from, from jump, it, it just uh, produces a, a great product. Um Particularly, you know, he, he, he loved West Point. You know, we've talked about that. You know, every leadership award that was out there, you know, he would call the superintendent directly if we weren't submitting multiple nominations for academy uh, athletes, uh, just because not only are they phenomenal athletes, they're phenomenal leaders and, and graded academics. Uh, but just to take it on a different spin, you know, what I learned, probably the greatest thing that I learned uh, was Gerald Odierno's uh, ability to liberate people to do the right thing in terms of, of family events. Uh, you know, we all know he coined the phrase, the strength of our nation is the army, the strength of the army is our soldiers, strength of our soldiers is our families. That's what makes us army strong. Uh, but he lived it. Um, he was a phenomenal role model for us. I, I remember when my son was in the NICU, I spent 10 days with him in the NICU and I was going to go on a trip with, with General Odierno. Uh, and I think the only time I thought he looked at me when he was really disappointed is when I came in to brief him on the trip on a Friday. Uh, we were going to leave that, that Saturday. And he's like, is Vincent out of the NICU? And I was like, oh, no, sir, but Caitlin's with him. He says, why are you here? And uh, and I said, well, sir, we're, we're leaving for, you know, JLBM tomorrow, Joint Base Lewis-McChord. And he said, uh, your place of duty is with Vincent until he leaves the NICU. And, and then I think I might have tried to say something, and he simply repeated himself and said, Steve, your place is with Vincent until he leaves the NICU. And I packed up my stuff, and I got out of there. Um, but I, I honestly, that's the one time I thought like he looked at me and he was disappointed. And I think it was a great reminder that sometimes as leaders, we need to liberate people to do the right things on anniversaries and birthdays. And even though it hurts sometimes, especially with some of your, your, your studs to to allow them to 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 not be at work, to not be present uh, in the workplace, but to be with their family at the right time. Um, you know, I. I think that's why we as leaders have to be really deliberate. And, and I remember that because I always tried to be good about those things when I was the boss. Um, but I probably wasn't so good at it um, when it applied to me. Uh, but but now, to be honest with you, if, if a man with 37, 38 years of service, you know, the, the, the senior ranking uh, military official in the United States Army and to see how he uh, how he treats his wife, Linda, you know, and and his kids, uh, uh, Tony, Katie, and Mike, uh, it, it was just impressive to see. Um, and, and I'll also expand that. I, I think I think the way he looked at his soldiers, it was very, very paternal uh, during the time that I was with him. And again, he, he was one of the, the oldest guys out there, but again, an enormous presence, right? Uh, very stoic, but one of the kindest souls that I've probably ever met. And, and you know, years from now, whether I'm doing this army business or I'm doing something else, I, I hope I, I can deliver that type of leadership to people. 
No doubt. I think that when Coach Munkin was asked about General Odierno earlier this week, I think he said it pretty best. He said that the legacy that he has will will live on, right? For for, for much, I mean, he, and you, Steve, just what you're talking about, just the impact that he had on his soldiers, right? The impact that he had on West Point, the impact that he had just wherever he went, basically, um, there was always a something positive to be taken out of it, and you know, that's, that's from the stories I've heard, um, you know, the, the response on social media after uh, General's passing just on LinkedIn was incredible. I mean, just everybody had a story, right. And everybody had a story about um, General Odierno and everybody's story was an in-depth story. And it was about what, what it boiled down to was about the type of person he was and about his, the relationships that he built, right? The relationships that he built. And, and when you're in the, guys, you maybe can, you certainly can speak on this more than I can. When you're in the army, those, those relationships become so important. And when hit where his position was, there was a lot of relationships that he, he built and had to, had to be, uh, be made uh, through his position. So um, maybe you guys can, can comment on that. So I'll, I'll talk to that a little bit. Uh, when General Lodierna was the chief of staff of the Army, uh, you know, one of one of the biggest drains on the Army budget, drain ain't the right word, but it's, it's the personnel budget. And he was fond of saying, we've got to make personnel business personal. And he, he did that by example. Um, he really did. But, you know, going back to your social media comment, um, I, I mean, I feel guilty. I, I, I put a few pictures of General O out and talk about my condolences and, uh, um, you know, 200,000 views on something on LinkedIn. I'm like, gosh, here I am riding the boss's coattails once again on something like that. I, I've never seen anything like that, but the amount of people he touched. But the, the one thing that I remember, we went, he agreed to speak in Washington, D.C., it wasn't a think tank. It wasn't a media outlet. It was somebody just is an outlet that chronicles history. And we were driving there and we prepared remarks for him and he looked over him. And, you know, usually we turned remarks with him five, six times. He 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 made them all personal. Um, but he goes, hey, what should I really talk about? They're going to ask me what my legacy is as the chief of staff of the Army. And this we were talking about sequestration and gave him all these ideas. He looked at me and he goes, you know what? He goes, the legacy is the people you leave behind. And this was in 2012 time frame, um, you know, almost a decade ago. And the legacy he does leave behind is thousands of people, thousands, unbelievable. I mean, and uh, you, you see the, uh, the stories out there on social media. They'll go on and on. And there's just a lot right now that talk right now got but uh i'm sure the others have to do greg can you have, do you have something to ask no not not at the moment hey sal i'll just say in terms of people um again from my experience with him he liked nothing more particularly when you're in the fields you know, he would show up to where you were and say, you know, where's Smoke Jones? Where's the 
Georgian uh, and then you would walk him around to whatever leader at the NCO level was around, and then he'd say, "I just want to go with them and you know visit the soldiers." And he loved nothing more than being with the uh, you know the enlisted guys and he and and the lieutenants as well. He really liked his junior officers and you know really cherished training them. But um, you know we had we had a couple of family readiness group meetings or, or events that we would, you know, talking back about family that Steve mentioned that he would always show up, you know, after, uh, after hours, uh, long days, or we were kind of, uh, you know, taking the early afternoon off to get the event set up or whatever it was. And, and he was always, uh, present and there wherever he could be, but really cherished being with soldiers back to J JT's point. If I could bring this bring this to Army football a little bit, I I guess I when I saw him at West Point, and I we're gonna add somebody here one second. Um, I'm gonna add Greg Gadson to our stream here. Greg, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. We'll get we'll get Greg on in a second. We'll we'll get his uh. Get him on in a second. When I was talking about um, that press conference at West Point, but another memory of that I have is the 2012 Army Navy game and the game that um, went down to the wire. It looked like Army was going to um, uh, snap the streak. And after the game, I think that Trent Steelman posted something this week about how the general um, kind of consoled him after a game um, and just his presence, right? Even in, in, in a um, situation like that, which was really tough on – uh, Trent and, and and the entire football team. Um, he was there, you know, he was there. And I look at too, JT, maybe, maybe you could speak on this a little bit. Um, you know, he was deeply involved in the hiring of the new, the army coach that we have today, Jeff Munkin. And um, I know, I remember having a podcast with Bob, uh, Bob Caslin, and he was saying, Hey, we had to fly uh, Jeff in, into the Pentagon to meet with General Odierno before it became official and kind of was the sign off on it. And just, um, talking like we heard this week with uh, Coach Munkin's comments on how he considered um, General Odierno a friend. And that's how close it got, the relationship got between, you know, a football coach and a guy who's, um, for the most part, calling shots in the Army. Um, I, I, I don't know, JT, if you can um, provide some insight on that. Yes, Al, I, I will. And I saw Trent Steelman's comments. I mean, uh, he bared his soul on the field that day, crying in front of, you know, hundreds of thousands, and General O wrapped his arms around him, and uh, Trent Steelman's very, very thankful of that. But, you know, going to comment on the Coach Munkin hiring, um, there were those from my generation that played, loved Jim Young, loved Bob Sutton, and we had somebody that we wanted to be the head coach. But General Caslin put up a, together a search committee, um, nominated somebody, recommended him to the chief of staff of the Army. And, and my aide at about 2 o'clock in the morning said, sir, you have a phone call from the chief of staff of the Army. Um, you're thinking, my God, what is this? Are you about to get fired? And it was, it was General O. I knew it was General O, but... General O said, hey, I know you played football. I knew you and a lot of your buddies wanted somebody to be hired. 
but he goes, I just want you to know that I personally made this selection. I interviewed the coaches and Jeff Munkin's going to be the new head coach. Why he had, he didn't have to do that. Why he told me, you know, it just tells you the kind of person that General O is. And obviously it was the right damn decision. You know, go back to Carp's point. General O knows character and he knows how to choose people. Um, you know, and I told all my buddies, hey, General O said this is the right guy. We got to trust him. And we got the right guy. Completely, completely spot on on that, right? I mean, it was that it just seemed like, and to have um, to to have a guy that to to lead the, the army team like Jeff Munkin, right? And what kind of he believes in, and what he believes will turn into success on the football field is, you see, um, to me, it's a little bit relatable, right? To the guys who will graduate and become second lieutenants and lead their soldiers. Um, into um, harm's way if if that may be i mean i know there's a lot of guys who are former football players um you know you guys could speak on it too a lot of guys that that come i mean they they say what they learn as an army football player they take into their um and we've talked about this they take into their uh time as an officer and into leading troops and um you know i, I, I my jt maybe you could uh, general odierno maybe just had an inkling that Monk, coach Munkin was that guy and it's all worked out for for army and i think it's all the army football team and i think it's also worked out for the the big army too and guys who have gone out to service i know there's a bunch of guys out there a guy to me like that sticks out is terry baggett um a guy who sticks out to me is um a guy like bryce holland who's out there serving right now i mean those are guys who were in um leadership roles on the football team and guys who are who are doing very well, those are two guys that just come pop into my mind. And there's there's countless others examples. I'm sure Carp's got something to say about this. You know, the story I want to tell is uh, Ali Villanueva, um, you know, great offensive lineman in the NFL. In 2011, one of my classmates and said, hey, JT, I got this guy who, six foot 10 guy who played wide receiver at Army, living at my house. I'm feeding him every night. He's on the Eagles practice squad, and he's about to run out of his uh, leave dates, and he has to go back into the Army. But the Eagles really like him, and they think he might, he has potential to be a good uh, NFL football player. And I said, why are you calling me, Kevin? He goes, well, you work for General Odierno. General Odierno used to play football. He will understand this. And uh, this guy needs to be given a chance. But tomorrow he has to report back to his unit and he can't be in an NFL. I just happened to have an opportunity with the chief of staff of the Army that evening, about two or three minutes downtime. And I told him the story of Ali Villanueva eating Kevin Kimsey out of house and home. And I don't know what General Odierno did that night. He said, thanks for letting me know. Kevin sends me a note back the next day. He goes, hey, thanks, man. And uh, next thing you know, Ali Villanueva's, you know, he probably doesn't even know this story, but that's how that happened. And uh, that's just, that's General O reaching down and uh, taking care of people. 
and doing what's right. So you mentioned uh, uh, Terry Baggett. So uh, he was the guy that General Odierno was thinking of when he called the superintendent of West Point and got on him about uh, not submitting any nominations. I think, I think I think General Thompson was the calm at the time. And sure as heck, he ended up being an academic All-America. Um, and uh, I know that uh, and General Odierno, honestly, during the uh, he, he actually was an honorary member of the board that, that did the selections that year. Um, because my dad was a football coach and I played football, of course, I was his action officer for that one uh, to review all the packets, which is great because it's like reading Sports Illustrated for, for 48 hours straight at work. Um, but uh, he didn't press Terry Baggett. But at the end of the day, um, you know, folks on the committee was like, oh, this guy goes to West Point and he's doing all these things, you know, all, all this, the, the extracurricular, the football, the leadership. Uh, the outside of West Point activities in the community, and then to have a phenomenal grade point average in, in, in a challenging uh, uh, track, obviously, uh, you know, says a lot. So I think since then, I mean, there've been so many West Point winners, but uh, I mean, it just all the academies really, um, you know, he advocates on the behalf of people and, and uh, he sacrifices of himself um, to provide for for the needs of others. And, and in our business, we call that love. And, and uh, he's definitely one of the leaders out there that, that has loved more than most. It seems like there's so many stories that we don't we we haven't heard of, and you guys have filled us in on a few, right? That that are behind the scenes that nobody, you know, only only certain few know. But that again, the connections, right? And again, the, the the connections to people, and hey, I'm going to bat for people too, right? Going to bat and saying, hey, this guy should be nominated, or this guy is the right guy, and I'm sure that hap that happened oftentimes in his job in the army too. Um, uh, Greg Gadsden, do we have you there? Yeah, we you, you do, and, um, and and thanks. Um, sorry, I'm uh, I joined late. I was in a listening mode, but um, I I I I have. Uh, I mean, um, and JT may may be aware of some of these uh, of the of the specific uh, uh, story I want to share, or one of them. Um, is you, you, I mean everybody knows I was wounded and um, and but but this is really kind of about General O and my wife Kim, um, um, yeah, OJT and and Carp. My my wife's a my my wife's a pretty quiet private lady. She is she's uh, she's kind you know she's a grad and she's she's about business and she really is not um, um, very. Uh, a commutative, if you will, but I will tell you, um, over the last fifteen years, if she, if she's told, if she shared one story, it is it is that the fact that um, it's the one with General O. Um, um, you know, after I was wounded and and uh, I got back to the states, she she got a call from from General O. Um, and she said that was the most significant call that she got, not because of his rank, but but really what he shared and what and and the journey that we were going to go through that she was going to go through as a family uh, that she considers is the most profound moment and one that really kind of set um, set her mind at ease and set her mind for what was ahead. And. Look, you you know you think about 
you know, we think about there's a war going on. He's the MNCI commander. JT is there with him. And the fact that he took the time to call my wife with all the things, all the, I mean, that that is the mark. I mean, the great leaders have the individual to transform themselves from the macro to the micro and back to the macro, you know, with, with amazing, um, with amazing ease and gracefulness and humbleness. And, and, um, you know, it's, it's not, a, it, this is not a moment that I'm talking about an interaction with me. I'm talking about how he interacted with, with Kim and my family. And, and, uh, and she, um, to this day says that was that was the most significant communication that she got um, as you know as our family had to um, had to adjust. The great ones do what's hard. Um, you know, two examples there. Um, you know, he's the NMCI commander, and he he's calling the the wife of a soldier that has just um, had, you know had been a double leg amputee above the knee, right? Um, and, and then we mentioned Trent Steelman, right? There are a lot of places to go in the stadium after a, a hard loss when, it, when, when your team's driving down and everybody in the stadium thinks you're going to win. But he walked out to the, the quarterback that ended up fumbling the football at the end of the game after, you know, leading the Army team on an incredible drive and gave him a hug. Um, you know, the, the good leaders go to the units that have a death in combat. They go to the memorials. Um, they put themselves in front of parents that have lost loved ones. Um, and General Odierno, as we just mentioned, several examples just now, he's one of those guys. He, he was one of those guys. It, it's a hard balance. I mean, it's a, it's, you know, it, you know, what is the fine line between, you know, literally, you know, touching the, where the rubber meets the road to, you know, you know, dealing with the president, you know, and, um, and he, he did it with amazing humbleness and gracefulness. I mean, just, it's just, it's, it's a talent that, you know, we all wish we could have. Yeah, Greg, uh, when you were wounded, Greg, I don't know if you knew this, but I was on a plane coming to be General Odierno's executive officer. And I, I got to the headquarters in Alfal Palace, and I walked in. He says, I need to talk to you right now. And he shut the door. It was just the two of us in there. And that's when he told me you had just been wounded. And he told me, Will Huff, another great Army football player, was with you. You're on your way back to Walter Reed. And that's when he said, I need to talk to Kim right now. That was my introduction to the surge in May of 2007. And I know you call yeah. it Live Day. Um, but, you know, as a great leadership lesson um, yeah. that day that he did that. You're exactly right, because a couple hours later, he was on a VTC with President Bush telling him what's going on in the surge, you know, yeah. uh, along with General Petraeus. And it, it's amazing. Um, but anytime he went into a hospital and talked to wounded warriors, he and Miss Linda were unbelievable. Yeah. And he went through that experience with Tony, their son. Yep. And, 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 and he, he yeah, he, he was a father then. He wasn't a general. Right. And that, and that's what touched her was, 
what he went through. You know, JT, I, you know, I, I didn't even know he knew who I was. But, you know, I, I will this one of the stories I shared about the surge. And I so I I got there in, in February was we got, you know, uh, all the battalion commanders. We got briefed by General Phil, General Odenero and General Petraeus. And I will tell you this. The only time in my life, in my military career, where I heard common words all the way up, not, not variations, but essentially the exact same message was during the surge. They, everybody was on the same sheet of music. I mean, I mean, you, you all may have seen that before, but everybody spoke the same words, the same intent. And um, and I, I think a lot of it was because it was so dynamic. But anyway, um, I didn't know he knew who I was. I mean, not beyond that I was a, uh, you know, a, a battalion commander. And so when JT told me that, I was just like, wow. So... Yeah, um, just uh, you guys have talked about this and what we've been talking about. Just the, when you're at a position that General Deanna was at, no matter where he was in his military career, um, just the right way to handle the situation is the right way of reacting and, and speaking with people. It's something that, you know, you I don't know if that's taught. I really don't know if that's taught. I think that just that's something that um, that was him. And um, from what your stories, from what I hear your stories about uh, what, we, what we've heard tonight. And it just seems like, um, you know, it's just um, there are not many people like that. You know, there are not many people that can, hand, that, that can do that. And maybe Greg Dyson, you, you can add something to this. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I'd offer this for me personally. I mean, when we first started, um, I told you he was the dearest of friends, right? I, I described three categories of friends and dear friends were the third category. Well, Ray was the dearest of friends to me, my absolute best friend. So I'm, I'm still grieving personally, as is my wife um, and, and my kids, right? Uncle, Uncle Ray is gone. Um, so it, it, it just wanted to take just a second to say, um, I appreciate you, you all, including me in this, because this has been very therapeutic for me, just um, to be a listener, right? I mean, I've, I've got a million personal stories I could tell that are best told over bourbon. Um, and I've been sharing those with classmates and teammates from from high school and at West Point over the last week. Um, but this, this is, I, I appreciate the opportunity for you to help me heal, just to allow me to uh, be a listener as much as an occasional person to participate um, because I lost, right, way too soon. Um, my dearest of all friends. 
So I think you were talking. I think you might have still been muted. I apologize for that, guys. <laughs> um, I was just wondering. I, I was I was going to ask Pat if there was anything that maybe he can add to that. Um, I know we've shared a, a lot of stories have been shared today. A lot of stories that I, I've I've found. You know, I you could read all you want through. Um, you can search um, the general's name on, on on Google, but these stories are just so personal and just so much to add about the man. And I don't know. Is there anything else you can? You can. Is there anything else that you wanted to share, Pat, about about uh, General Odierno? Well, just like Greg said, you know, I wasn't close with General Odierno the last couple of years um, as I had been previously, given his, you know, uh, roles. And we we were we would always communicate a couple times throughout the year, but I wasn't working as closely with him as a lot of folks were. But like everyone, I think there's a lot of grieving and kind of disbelief and uh, quite honestly shock our, our unit that, you know, we still get together on occasion, a good core group. And that kind of expanded over the weekend with a lot of folks that, uh, uh, you know, every now and then we would hear from, but it, it was just good to, to bring a lot more folks from that experience into the, into the fold. We had a lot of good conversations and sharing of memories like so many have, you know, a couple uh, one or two things more is that, you know, General Odierno was a great athlete, not just football. He was a really good golfer. You know, we, we played quite a bit of golf out at Fort Ord, and he loved to play golf. I don't think he got to play as much in his, uh, you know, with all the things he was doing in Iraq and elsewhere. But, man, he could he could really hit the golf ball and was always, uh, you know, one of the top scorers. Um, and then getting back to, you know, people, you know, my my – kind of i'm from montana i went to germany as a lieutenant came then to the west coast i thought i was going to get out of the army quite honestly that was sort of always my plan and he was the one who said hey you should uh think about going to grad school after i commanded and, and he also uh encouraged me and would back me to get a second command as a as a captain so you know i was a two-time commander very fortunate in that regard in large part because of him and then uh you know, I ended up staying in the army and, and studying and then continuing on as a major. And when he became a brigadier general, I was a commander general staff college and went out to dinner with him and Linda. And I said, sir, I'd like to go back to Germany. And he said, uh, he was the fifth corps chief of staff at the time. And he goes, Pat, um, that's great. He goes, I can't guarantee your assignment, but I'll make sure you get to a devotee so you won't languish on a, on a higher headquarters staff. So he was always looking out for, for people and taking time to invest in you know, those relationships that mean so much. And when, even then at, you know, the level he was to um, devote that kind of time to folks um, was really, really meaningful and important and a great example. JT, is there anything that um, you'd like to, you'd like to share that we haven't talked about? Sal, I could sit here all night. Um, some, there, there will be a book written about General O, no doubt about it. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll probably end with one thing. I, I texted John Harbaugh, the coach of the Baltimore Ravens, after, uh, was it the Monday night game? Yeah, Monday night game. And, you know, Lamar Jackson did that wonderful show, proved he was a passing quarterback as much as a running quarterback. But I just – when I left General, uh, Coach Harbaugh with, I texted him, congrats, but I said, 
General O was a man of faith, of deep faith. I said he must have loved this game looking on, looking down from heaven on it. And Coach Harbaugh wrote back like a minute later, and he said, this was his kind of night, no quit. And Coach Harbaugh said this. I thought of him, I thought of him a lot throughout the game. I mean, there's people all over the world thinking about him, and we've seen that on social media. And uh, as tough as this is, you know, our hearts can be warmed of, a, of an incredible leader who gave his all for his nation, uh, was an incredible husband, father, son, brother, grandfather also. And, uh, you know, we, I know he's looking down on us from heaven right now, and uh, he's smiling. And uh, rest easy, boss. We love you. Steve, any, fi any final thoughts, any final words? Uh, well, for, first, I, I don't, I don't want to follow that because uh, what General Thompson said is, is right on point. I'd just say that uh, it didn't matter if he knew you for a minute or he knew you for a lifetime. Uh, he treated you with love and he treated you with respect um, and he made you feel like you're important. And uh, I mean, my, my, my daughter still has a picture of him eating pizza with her when I left the Pentagon. He was probably the busiest man in D.C., and he took the time for 25 minutes just to talk to my kids and uh, and just make them proud of me and listen to them and hear what was important to them. And I just I'm honored to be on with everybody here. I apologize. I'm a little emotional. Um, but uh, General Thompson's words were on point and uh, he is loved. Greg Gadsden, um, any any final thoughts um, about? Yeah, Um uh, you know, amen to what uh, JT said, General Thompson, sir. Um, you, 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 you hit the nail on the head. I, I just say to all of us is that um, um, he touched our hearts. And so we, we got to continue to touch. He, he's touched us. And so we got to continue to touch others, whether we're still in uniform or whether we're not. That's our obligation, and um, and that's how he that's how he lives that and that's how he continues to live by all those and through all those he touched. And uh, Greg Dyson, maybe you can uh, wrap, wrap wrap this up for us, and maybe some final thoughts from you. Mm, that's hard. That that that's hard. Um, because my relationship was um, so so personal. Um, my my final correspondence to him uh, was about teammates, right? And we've we've spoken to that in many different ways. Um, and it was, we personally, we were teammates as kids and ultimately through life. And then, um, eventually through all eternity. And it was how lucky was I, uh, to have been engaged in that kind of a teammate relationship. Now that was one one example, uh, if you will, um, 
he and I as teammates and how meaningful that was. But as you all have shared, that's who he was, right? It was not, um, it was not about him. It never was about him. Um, and being a true teammate, it is never about you. It is about others. Um, so if there's kind of one thing we can take and one thing I've known literally for a lifetime um, is that we get up each day to do what we can to engage with teammates, to foster new teammates and support those teammates in any way we can throughout our entire life. So again, this has been um, important for me to be more of a listener um, because I, I lost the dearest of all friends last week. Well said and uh, so sorry for your loss. And I really appreciate everybody coming on tonight to talk about General Odierno and remembering just a great man and um like like jt said there's going to be books probably written about general o and uh just to be on a group chat with uh labeled team timo um this week has been just to just to be able to con connect with you with everybody on on this podcast has been an honor for me and guys i really appreciate you coming on tonight to um Tell us a little bit more about, like, like um, people have said, is the legacy will live on with General Ray Odierno. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks, Al. Thanks, JT, everybody. Thanks, Al. Thanks, everybody. God bless General Lowe and his family. <laughs>